Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,274. Today we're going to be talking about Shelby American. So talk about revving it up and buckle up because we're in for a fast ride. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in River Hills, Wisconsin, with a very special guest by the name of Colin Comer. Colin, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. And yes, I am ready. We're going to have some fun, especially with a guy like you that's been around so many cool cars. Now, before I give you an introduction and we talk about your life and a very cool book that you've authored, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you? And I know you've been on a lot of other podcasts, so I need a little bit of a scoop here. Boy, I was a I was a really good paper boy when I was in grade school. A lot <laughs> of people too. don't know that. <laughs> I was, yeah. That's a hard job, isn't it? It's a very hard job, especially when you don't like, you know, carrying newspapers around. But, uh, you know, that's uh, that was where my whole career started was was delivering newspapers. So like many of us. But yeah, it's you know, I'll tell you something. When I think back to those days, being a paper boy teaches you a lot of important business things, starting with you got to get up and do your job, because if you don't have a paper on somebody's porch by 5 a.m., they get a little perturbed, <laughs> you know, right? What it also teaches you is that, you know, at least in, here in Milwaukee, where we had to go out and sell subscriptions to the newspaper, they would have contests. And I was very young. I was too young to be a paper carrier, but I lied about my age. It was the only time I ever lied in my entire life. But I lied about how old I was so I could carry newspapers, but they would have sales contests. And I won like the sales contest for the whole area of Milwaukee that I live wow. in. Wow. And uh, got a, a dinner with the, the route manager and got a, a clock radio that I just, I literally just threw it out like five years ago. I had it from grade school until oh my you know, retirement age. Wow. Well, you know, the other thing that it taught you was communication skills because you had to go around every month and collect. And there's nothing worse than knocking on someone's door and they turn off the porch light. And you're like, I just need $12 for your paper, mister. Yeah, exactly. You know, because you had to pay the paper company back for all those papers you essentially purchased. So there was a lot of good things. I did my route for about four and a half years. And the, the good thing for me was I grew up in Southern California. So right after I did my paper route, I'd go surfing and then I'd go straight to school. So I was always up early, dawn patrol surfing, and it it kind of helped me get out of bed. And to this day, I get up early. I'm always up by six o'clock every morning, even though I don't have to be. So uh, I think it teaches you a lot of valuable things, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's the first job for a lot of people. Either you you mow lawns or you shovel snow or you deliver newspapers. Yeah. And you kind of feel like you're your own boss when you're a paper boy. And uh, that led to my next job, which was detailing cars. I created a flyer and put it in my papers and I could retire from delivering papers and start detailing cars. So uh, it was a good stepping stone, at least for me. So welcome a fellow paper boy. I like it. Yes. Very cool. Let me give you a proper introduction here. Colin Comer is the founder of Colin's Classic Automobiles. His extensive range of automotive knowledge and over 35 years of experience has made him one of the foremost experts in the collector car hobby. And as an author, Colin's written numerous critically acclaimed and award-winning books. His most recent, which we'll touch today on, is titled Shelby American, 60 Years of High-Performance Publishing, and is published by our friends at Motorbooks. His writings have appeared in numerous publications 
publications, including the New York Times, USA Today, and he has served as a longtime editor for Road and Track, editor-at-large for Sports Car Market Magazine, and American Car Collector magazines. Colin has restored, prepped, and driven cars worldwide and is judged at the Pebble Beach Concours and the Milwaukee Concours d'Elegance, where he has served as chief judge. Oh, by the way, as if he's not busy enough, he's also an avid racer. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsors. So give them a little love and we'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up way up. But my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around. I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah. So, Colin, we are back. So I want to start before we dive into this very cool book. And my gosh, uh, you could do curls with this book and get some muscles because this thing is huge. I want to start with Colin's Classic Automobiles. Can you go through what that business is? Because it kind of sounds like the anchor for all the different things you do around your passion for cars and the car hobby. Yeah, well, actually, it, it didn't start that way. So I was 
working at car dealerships and, uh, you know, independent garage and then car dealerships. And I was working on cars on the side out of my garage, as, as most mechanics will do. You don't make enough money working on them, you know, at a regular day job, or at least you didn't back then. So to make ends meet, I would, you know, do body and paint work and restore cars and, and work on people's cars out of my garage at home uh, on the side. And, you know, eventually uh, there became a crossroads where you know, I was at the Christmas party at the dealership I worked at and everybody was at the party and the owner of the dealership came to me and said, hey, what are you doing here? You need to go work on your 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 month end and your year end books to, to show us, you know, I was, I was uh, you know, keeping track of service. And uh, and I said, well, how, how come I can't just stay at the party? So, well, no, you, you have to go do your paperwork. And I said, you know what? Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, dude. <laughs> so he, I, I, and I, at that point, I was I was working at the dealership, you know, five days a week, full time oh, and yeah. going home and working. You know, I would I would, you know, grab a quick meal after work at the dealership. I'd go home and I'd go to the garage and I work until three or four o'clock in the morning. I'd wake up at 6 a.m. and I go back to the dealership. So I was burning that candle at both ends. And I just kind of thought I'm being kind of mistreated here, you know, by uh, at, at this day job of mine. So I took the keys out of my pocket for the dealership and I said, you know what? I think I'm just going to go out on my own and work full time for my garage. Yeah. So, so that was it. At that point, as my my dad used to tell me, he goes, "Well, you just bought yourself a job, you know, <laughs> by working for yourself." So, right. um, but that's really where it, it started. I, I was just transitioned from restoring cars in a two car garage to uh, you know renting a small shop, and and it was really a service and restoration repair shop. Was the beginning of Classic Auto, and uh, eventually morphed into you know buying and selling cars and and uh, that kind of thing. But yeah, it just you know. It, you know, like Forrest Gump, sometimes you just, you're in the right place at the right time or you, you take a turn and you don't know what's going to happen. And, that, and that's how my life has been. Well, I'm, I'm proud of you. A lot of people do what we call a side hustle these days. And eventually that becomes the full-time job, the full-time business. And that's how many people get to that point in their life. But you also have penned a lot of books and we're going to be talking about one today. You've become a judge at Concours events. Uh, you write for, you know, some prominent magazines and newspapers and that kind of thing. How did all the the writing come into play here? Because I get working on cars, restoring cars, doing that and creating a business around that, but also having the prowess and the skill sets to write, which sometimes those two aren't the same thing for people that are really good with their hands. They can sit down and write books and pen books. That's that's a big deal. Yeah, well, it, it wasn't something I ever knew that I could do. I, I like I've always liked writing. Um, I was a reasonably decent student, uh, despite what you may have heard. Um, <laughs> I've heard nothing other than yeah. my paper always was on my doorstep at the right time. There you go. Well, I mean, I, I'm the product of a good Jesuit education. And, uh, you know, I did enjoy writing. So when you start selling cars, you have to write classified ads. So I would write classified ads for Hemmings. And, you know, I'd try to write a good ad, you know, be descriptive of the car and talk about the car, talk about the history. And, uh, you know, that just kind of was what I did in the early days of the internet. I started a website and I would make nice long descriptions and kind of describe the car as I would want a friend to describe a car to me if I were looking to purchase it. So good, bad, you know, all the faults, the the pluses and minuses, I would just basically write a short story. And that kind of came, you know, just naturally writing that stuff. And, uh, you know, I, read all the car magazines. And one night I was uh, reading Keith Martin's sports car market and they had a cover story uh, about the muscle car market. And this was in the early days of the muscle car 
boom, like 2003, 2004. And I thought that, that they were way off on what they were describing the market as, that the, the sky was falling. It was kind of a chicken little thing. So I looked in the front of the magazine and said, well, here's, here's Keith Martin's email. And uh, I emailed him and said, you're an idiot. Uh, you guys got this all wrong. So I, d- I didn't use those exact words. But yeah, was maybe not a good that. way to introduce yourself. Yeah. I know I've known Keith forever. I've been friends yeah. with him for a long time, but yeah, I'm just chuckling. You know, he's probably heard those words before and he takes it right in stride and goes, well, okay, show me what you can do. Yeah. And I'd been a subscriber of Keith since it was the Alfa Romeo market letter. So oh, when they used to come over the fax back. machine, I was close enough to him to tell him what I really thought. So yeah. um, I never expected to hear anything back because usually you write a letter to the editor, you never hear anything back. Well, oddly enough, Keith replied to me right away and we kind of had a little email back and forth. And the end result was he said, well, if you're so smart about the muscle car market, why don't you just write about it for us? And <laughs> there you go. puffed up my chest and said, okay, I will. And I woke up the next morning thinking that was kind of had a dream about arguing with Keith Martin. And then uh, I get an email from his executive editor saying, hey, um, we hear you're writing for us now and uh, here's your first assignment. And I thought, <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> Careful what you asked for. Right. I just really stepped in it now. Yeah. So that's funny. Um, yeah, so I had to. I started writing for the magazine and uh, doing auction reports and and writing profiles about cars and that kind of thing. And uh, you know, I thought that was as far as it was going to go. And I was just going to be a magazine writer as my side hustle. Um, but then one day, it turns out the guys at Motor Books were reading Sports Car Market and really liked my columns and what I was writing in the magazine. And they showed up at my shop and said. We want you to write a book about muscle cars. <laughs> nice. And I said, no way. I'm not a writer. You know, go away. Appreciate it. I'm flattered. Thanks. Saw you wasted the drive down from Minnesota. Um, but they convinced me that it was just like a chapter was like, you know, writing a couple of columns and just write a bunch of columns and kind of glue them together. And that's a book. So I fell for that. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> and there was the easy. first book. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm proud of you. That's pretty cool. I mean, turning these side hustles and these passions into careers. And I mentioned at the end of your introduction, you also like to do some racing. What kind of racing do you do? Well, I've, I've raced sports cars since I was, since I got my license, since I was able to race as a teenager. So I've raced open wheel cars, Formula Fords, uh, you know, some various things, Indy Lights. And I've, I've basically driven and raced every kind of car from a pre-war Alfa Romeos and Bugattis all the way up through, you know, modern, uh, you know, post-historic cars, um, you know, ARCA cars and NASCARs and Trans Am cars and all that. So now I'm basically all about vintage racing. So uh, I guess I don't know if that's because of my age or because, again, this is a, a hobby. So, yeah, so I've, I've raced uh, B production, vintage GT350s and Camaros and Corvettes and that kind of stuff. But I'm really hooked on this tube frame Trans Am era of the 80s and 90s. So for about the last 12 or 14 or 15 years, I've been racing these tube frame Trans Am cars, and I'm just addicted to it because it's <laughs> there's there's nothing else like you know 800 and some horsepower oh, in a no. 2800 pound car no kidding well that's very cool i love it well let's talk about this book as i mentioned this thing's huge it's, it's just under 225 pages it's very large very extensive uh the title again 
Shelby Americans, 60 years of high performance. The stories behind the Cobra, the Daytona, the Mustang, GT350s, GT500s, and Ford GT40s. I mean, you covered the gamut here. So uh, let's talk a little bit about why this book was, why you chose it. Or again, our friends at Motorbook said, hey, you should write about this. And then maybe we'll dive into a few things that you discovered in putting this book together. Because a lot of books have been written about Shelby, about Shelby American. I've had a lot of authors on the show, but it seems like everyone one starts to uncover a little bit more knowledge here and this one is so extensive why this book and tell us a little bit about it well yeah so motor books motor books is like that little dog that keeps nipping at your ankles and won't <laughs> go away you, you don't you don't want to i mean you don't know what to do because the dog keeps chasing around and biting you so i i mean to all my friends at motor books uh i love you guys you're the best but you know you just keep asking me to write books and i keep falling for it so um <laughs> they're good at that yeah, they're great. I mean, Motorbooks is great to work with. And, you know, again, they made, they turned me into a, a published author. So this is like, you know, one of those accomplishments that that nobody ever thought I would would get. But yeah, so, you know, I, I'd written other books on Shelby American for Motorbooks. I wrote the complete book of Shelby, uh, which covered every Shelby car, like the nuts and bolts and what makes the car work and how many they made and the differences in the engines and the carburetor numbers and all that kind of stuff. So that's like the, the reference book. And then I did a, a Cobra 50 years book when the Cobra turned 50, which was a celebration of the cars and kind of the, the Cobra lifestyle, if you will. And then did a similar thing when the, the Shelby Mustang turned 50. So the 60th anniversary of Shelby American came up and of course, Motorbooks called me and wanted me to do a 60th anniversary That's book. That's called Colin. He'll fall for it again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and, and Zach at Motorbooks, I'm sure he'll listen to this, but yep. he, he's very persuasive. And he, he said, Hey, you know what? Either you can write this book about the 60th anniversary or I'll have somebody else write it and then you can call me and complain about what a horrible job they did. <laughs> yeah, Zach's been a guest on the show. I know I know him. <laughs> yeah, Zach is great, but he was he, he was right. He goes, well, who, who better to write it? And I said, well, I want to write it my way. So um, I wanted to celebrate. We've already talked about the cars and the nuts and bolts about the cars, but I want to talk about the unsung heroes and the races that were important to Shelby American. You know, kind of what kind of this, the genesis of this six years, really 1962 to 1967, uh, 68, which was really where all the meat of the Shelby legend kind of happened. It cemented this legacy that's 60 years and going strong today. So, cause it's very easy to say Carol Shelby did this and Carol Shelby did that and Carol Shelby won Lamar, but it wasn't Carol Shelby alone. So I wanted to get the unsung heroes and, you know, we're losing a lot of these guys. We've lost a lot of these guys and the stories are going away. And I thought, this is my job as a historian to document this and have a, a good historical record um, of a lot of these stories that otherwise might escape us. So that was the that was the intent and what I tried to do with the book. Well, nice job. And and that leads me to a nice segue to a question I ask everybody, and that's inspirational people or mentors. If, if you could pick one, and there's so many characters within and around the Shelby uh, aura, is there one you could pick and maybe talk briefly about that you uncovered and learned some things about that you went, wow, what an inspiration that person is? Well, in the, in the Shelby world, I mean, Phil Remington is one of my favorite people. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's passed now, of course, but yeah, I, I feel incredibly fortunate to have been able to to know Phil and call him a friend and and have, you know, lots of conversations with him and, and really pick his brain. But, you know, he was, you know, the, the chief engineer for Shelby American, but so much more than that. He, I mean, he understood how cars worked and how to make stuff work on a, a molecular level. I mean, there wasn't a problem that, that Rem couldn't solve, but the way he carried himself and the way people respected him, he was just so 
so good at everything he did, but he was so so humble and kind that um, you know his reputation was one of just you know he just did his job and and he saw nothing special about what he was doing. But it was it was you know he was changing the world every day when he was you know working on these race cars. He he made such a mark on the world of racing. But to him, it was just going to work and punching in, punching out. Um, he didn't think he was doing anything special, which was really kind of the beautiful thing about Rem. Yeah, the humble, humble part of yeah. him. Yeah, I've, yeah. A lot of people went on the show talk so highly about him, and I got to spend a, a weekend with the Brocks. Um, my wife and I stayed with them at, when they had moved down to uh, uh, the Las Vegas area, and, and sitting out on the porch and overlooking the city lights of Las Vegas and listening to Peter talk about his time with Shelby, but also Phil Remington came up over and over again. Yeah. And there's so great, so many great guys that were at Shelby American. I mean, obviously Peter Brock, a, a good friend and, and just another incredible, incredible person. And, you know, Chuck Cantwell, who is also a friend and just um, the nicest guy you ever meet. And these guys really, they just, you know, in today's world, somebody does something, even if it's mediocre and they put it on social media and they put it out there, this, this big accomplishment, and they did this and they did that. Um, you know, it's like they're building a resume and, Back then, these guys would just do this incredible stuff and just go on to the next thing. It wasn't, you know, they they were they weren't wearing on their sleeves. So I've always admired that about them and tried tried to emulate that a little bit in my own life. Like if you do something great, well, don't sit there tooting your horn. You know, let, let's let's get on to the next one. Yeah, especially this day and age of social media, a lot of horn tooting going on. When you think about this book in particular, what was the biggest challenge you came across in putting this book together? Well, these books are challenging. Just because there's been so much written on Shelby American and the people of Shelby American in general, I mean, the story has been told time and time and time again. So um, it's always hard to find good pictures that people haven't seen before and to find the stories that haven't been told. Um, you know, there are a lot of the stories, but trying to find a picture to match up with it. So the the imagery is really is always tough. So, it, yeah. you know. You call out to people and you, you talk to people who are at the races and see if they have any pictures. And it's amazing. This stuff is still out there, but you, you do really have to dig for it. And, uh, you know, I, I did this book along with Rick Kopech um, from the Shelby American Automobile Club. And, uh, you you know, Zach at Motorbooks conned me into doing the book. And then I, in turn, conned Rick into doing it with me. So <laughs> You learn um, from Zach. You learn from the best. <laughs> yeah. Rick has been around you know, he, he was one of the founders of the Shelby club and he has a library of pictures and he, he, he knew all the people and he knows all the stories and it was just great. You know, we just kind of ran into the fire together and figured it out. So, um, but yeah, the, the finding the pictures and, uh, you know, you look at an old picture. I mean, we're sitting here with magnifying glasses trying to identify people in pictures that nobody's ever seen before or have, hasn't, haven't seen in 50 or 60 years. And, you know, that's a lot of the challenge and a lot of the fun. Exactly. I heard that many times too. You know, I like to ask people about special vehicles in their life, but I'm going to twist this question a little bit for you. Since your book covers a variety of Shelby cars, is there one car, especially after writing the book, that stands out is perhaps, at least for today, your favorite, Shelby? Well, again, I've been I've been lucky enough that I've experienced every car that Shelby's ever built. So I've, I've been able to drive them and own them and, and uh, race them and all that kind of stuff. So, but really when it comes down to it, you know, I, I'd love to say that, you know, oh, it'd be awesome to have a Daytona Coupe as a daily driver and, and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, uh, a 1965 GT350 for me is kind of that's like the the best all around car that I can think of and that that, that I enjoy myself. So 
Um, it's not flashy. It's not fragile. Uh, it's easy to work on. And, you know, you don't, you're not, there's not this conspicuous consumption thing because it's a white Mustang. So, uh, but for me, I also really appreciate the 36 competition versions of that car they made that just changed the face of B production racing forever. So it was the underdog and they went onto a world stage and they, and they won. So I appreciate the, the racing history behind these, these first year GT three fifties and also how they're just so fun to drive and they're loud and obnoxious and the Detroit locker clunks and pains when you turn a corner and, and, uh, it just, you know, it, it melts the years off when you get in one, you just feel like a hooligan and you go out and rip around. <laughs> so for me, that's, that's, that's the best all arounder. And, and, uh, yeah, I really enjoy those cars. Well, you put a big smile on my face because I had one. Now, it was a clone that was built by a friend of mine, and it was done so well that I actually took it to a Mustang show, and I parked it with the other GT350s, and I went up to an Allbridge field meet, which was on the same campus, not intending to trick anyone. I just thought, oh, this is a cool parking spot. And when I came back, I had won, won a first-place trophy, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And some guy came up and he goes, where the hell have you been all day? Like, we've been trying to figure out who owns this car, and I well, I'm over at the British car meet because I was doing some work there. Long story short, I found the guy who came in second and I drove over to his house and gave him the trophy because they couldn't believe it wasn't a real one. But I drove that car as a daily driver for about three years. And I've only had two American cars in my whole life. I'm typically BMW Porsche driver. And I still to this day miss that the fun of that car. And not only that, but just you go to get gas and it was a 30 minute field trip because everybody would come over and have a Mustang story. They're yeah, just yeah. so well loved, right? Yeah. And, and again, you're not, if you pull into a gas station in a, in a new Ferrari or a McLaren or some, even the, you know, 1980s Porsche, doesn't matter. People kind of, they're a little standoffish. They don't know what kind of guy you are. They don't know if, you know, if you're a nice guy or if you're, you know, a little smug or whatever the deal is, but you pull in a Mustang oh, and you're, you're their best friend. friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like having a Mini Cooper or a VW Bug. Uh, everybody loves you and everybody has a Mustang story. So yeah, I do, I do miss that car. It was great fun. It was white with blue stripes and uh, just really fun to drive. I made a lot of noise and uh, I remember when I got it, my wife going, are you going through some kind of midlife crisis? What the <laughs> hell? This isn't a Porsche. I go, this is so cool, you know, and my kids loved it and yeah, it was just great fun. So I'm going to be your car psychologist today. I'm hoping no one ever asked you this question. I know you've been on a lot of podcasts before, but Colin, if you were reincarnated incarnated as a car not what you want to be but your personality manifest into a vehicle what would you be but why boy i i'd i'd love to say that i could say i'm a 427 cobra because you know <laughs> of course you know, light and fast and you know all that kind of stuff but i'm probably more like a 66 bronco with a you know 170 cubic inch straight six okay, so love it you know i i've got four-wheel drive i can i can go through any weather and uh, every time you tell me it's time to go to work, you just turn the key and I'll, I'll go do it. So, um, you know, not very fast, not very good looking, but I'm reliable. <laughs> nice. Very humble too. I love it. Nice answer to that question. I do like to ask people how they like to give back. And I know that by, you know, I mentioned in your intro that you've served as a judge and uh, the head of judging at Concor events, which is a really nice way to give back because those jobs don't really pay anything other than maybe a free breakfast and lunch or something like that. But how do you like to give back to people in the automotive sector? Well, I mean, in just in, in not necessarily the automotive sector, but just to introduce people to the to this hobby that that we all love so much and to the cars, um, you know, I think it's important to always expose young people. You know, expose a kid to a cool old car and let them 
touch it, sit in it, take them for a ride in it, you know, all that kind of stuff is is really important. But, you know, we do things like I'm, I'm one of the partners that, that owns the Muscle Car and Corvette National show in Chicago that we have every November. And we have youth judging there and a scavenger hunt and all that kind of stuff where you really get the kids involved. Um, you help them explore what we love about cars and get them, you know, uh, kind of hooked on it, if you will. Um, cause it's amazing. All, all you need is that spark, uh, to get somebody interested in cars. But, um, and I'm sure out of the 2000 and some people you've had on your show, a, a lot of people have probably also said that, you know, we use cars to raise money. We'll do, uh, charitable events. Uh, we'll do charity drives. We do, uh, a thing about road America, uh, where you sell rides in a cool car and raise money for children's charities. Uh, the Milwaukee Concord that I was on the board of and the chief judge for a number of years, uh, that all benefited children's charities in southeastern Wisconsin uh, for families and, and, and children uh, that needed help. So um, cars are a great conduit. It's not so much about the cars all the time, as you know. It's about the people you meet and the friends you make through the car hobby. And Car people are extremely generous and always want to help. So um, that's one of the best parts about it is this community that that we're a part of. And uh, you know, we did a charity drive during during COVID. We had to cancel the Milwaukee Concour uh, for obvious reasons in 2020. And I said, you know what? I'm going to call up some of our good supporters and say we're going to do a drive. We're all going to wear a mask. We're going to stay in our cars and we're going to stop somewhere and have a picnic outside. And uh, I called people up and I said, we're doing a charity drive and it's $500 a car and we hope you can make it. And everybody said yes. <laughs> nice. Of course, especially during that time period, because we we're all going crazy being locked up at home. And the car gave us the f- chance to get out in a safe way and be free and expose people to things and enjoy each other in a unique way, I guess you would say, other than just being an event. So nicely done. A lot of great things you're doing there to help give back through the car hobby. Of course, we always talk about books here. Uh, there's I'm going to list all the books that I know of you've done. The Million Dollar Muscle Cars, Shelby Mustang 50 Years, Shelby Cobra 50 Years, and of course, Shelby American 60 Years of High Performance, all penned by our guest today, Colin Comer. Nicely done. Is there another book in your future? Has that got you, got you busy on something else? Boy, I think... I keep saying that the last one is always the last one. And, uh, you know, I don't want to keep lying about that. But I think if, I, if I'm going to do another book, the next one I'm going to do is going to be because I've obviously I've been buying and selling cars for most of my adult life or all of my adult life. Um, I think I need to do the, the strange but too, true tales of a, uh, you know, used car dealer because ah, okay. um, I love it. just from working in dealerships and service departments and talking to people. Uh, you see some crazy stuff over the years. And I mean, just going, just going to somebody's house to buy a car, you, you never know what you're going to run into, especially in the old days when I was going out to, you know, Arizona and going out into the desert to find people that had, you know, cars sitting be- on the back 40 behind their, their house out there in the <laughs> right. middle of nowhere. And, you know, literally like, here's a shovel, go dig up, go dig over by that tree. That's where the title is. Or, you know, that kind of stuff. It's yeah. crazy, crazy stuff that nobody, I don't think anybody would believe, but they're all true. So maybe one of these days I'll sit down and pen that one. You know, I have a friend who's restored some amazing cars. Uh, many have been on the lawn at Pebble Beach and he was in Italy looking for a specific Alfa Romeo and he was at a Italian junkyard and he was walking through and he looked down and he asked the guy, he goes, what is that engine? 
And he goes, I don't know. I don't know where it, what it came out of. It's been here forever. It was a Alpha engine because we can't figure out what kind of car it came out of. Well, it turns out it was a prototype engine that was for a car that was never built, but was designed by Alfa Romeo. And at the time, it was from the 30s. So this friend of mine bought that thing and ended up building the car that would have been built by getting original drawings. And he's never been able to take it to a true Concorde because it technically never existed, but he created it by finding this engine in an Italian junkyard. Talk about a story. I mean, yeah, you just never know where these things are going to pick up. Another one, he found an engine was being used as a base to a coffee table by a rancher in Montana. And he went out to look at another car and they sat down and he goes, what's that engine under the coffee table? Ended up buying it and building a car around that as well. So you never know. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. When you when you write that book, come back and visit me, okay? I, I will. I will. And, and hopefully it's going to be a while because I just finished a book. So I'm hoping to have <laughs> yeah, a little time a little, off. A little bit of a break. I understand. They are a lot of work. So let's go on the ultimate drive. I'm going to be your enabler today. I'm going to park any car in the world in your driveway. Now you've built and built and been around so many cool cars, but you can pick any car you want. Don't worry about the cost. I'm paying for it today. You can take it for a drive, but here's the fun part. You can take anybody you would like with you, even somebody who's no longer with us, which opens up a world of opportunity. So does the ultimate drive look like for you? Boy, you know, I, I've been on I've been on so many of these ultimate drives where you think like it's never going to get any better than that. My wife and I have done numerous, you know, these thousand mile rallies like the Copper State One Thousand, um, Colorado Grand, or the, you know the London or Brighton Run. The, you wow, know, the nice. the early car run in in, uh, in the UK and uh, the Mille Miglia. I mean, all these things where you think, wow, it's just incredible. So. I think after a while, it just becomes the company of who you're you're with because the cars are always great. And if it's snowing or raining or sunny or whatever it is, it's always great to be driving an old car. So, um, you know, my wife and I, we have we have a lot of fun doing these these tours and these rallies and stuff. And uh, I think if I if I had the choice and we had the time, we would just keep doing those. So <laughs> do another uh, drive with your wife. We're really we're really fortunate. We we, no we live kidding. in a place where we can get out and drive and we, we do these events. But, uh, you know, doesn't matter who's with you. Obviously, you're not going to hop in a car with somebody you don't like. So um, I can't ever say I've ever been on a bad drive with with a friend or a family member or my wife or any of these things. Um, you know, even now that my kids are getting older, uh, it's exciting to take them for a ride because you just watch how they they look around and they learn so much more. And so it really becomes less about the car and more about the experience. And uh, you know, I, I know it's not an answer. It's probably not the answer you're looking for. But I'm happy to do with with anybody in my life. <laughs> well, you're a very fortunate guy to have done all of those. I mean, so many people would just love to do one of those types of tours and the fact that you're still doing it uh, is a testament to the fact that you're living the dream. So congratulations. So before I let you go today, and you've taken us on a fun journey, could you leave us with some words of inspiration or wisdom when it comes to the car world? Well, when it, when it comes to the car world, I mean, it, there's a lot of a lot of words of wisdom I can give you because I've, I've, I like to think I've learned a few things over the years. But, um, you know, I'm OCD. I'm a perfectionist by nature and I'm a restorer and a mechanic. And I'm, you know, ask anybody in my life, I'm, I'm way too particular about cars and how stuff should be, which I think is what makes, you know, my skills okay. Um, because I'm very hard on myself and want to make sure everything's done right. But really, I mean, if you just endeavor to do everything well, whether it's driving or working on a car, any of that stuff, just, just try to do it you know, the best way you can take pride in your work, 
be nice to the people you're working with, but always keep in mind that as the, you know, the old French saying goes, perfect is the enemy of good. So don't sit there and beat yourself up if you do something and it's not the best. I mean, I, I go to car shows and cruise nights and stuff all the time and you see people and you look at their cars and they'll have a really cool car and, and you'll say, wow, who did the work on the car? And they'll kind of, you know, sometimes you get this, this sheepish response like, well, I did the paint job, but I'm not really happy. I know it's not like, hey, man, you did the paint job. <laughs> nice you know, job. Yeah, that's hard. I mean, right there you win. So just take pride in what you do and and do the best you can and have fun with it. So um, when we take things too seriously, you, you knock the fun out of the hobby and you knock the fun out of your collecting endeavors and uh you know, you know, any anything you do, just just have fun and enjoy it, and uh, have that sense of pride, and, and it makes life a lot easier. It sure does. Great advice. How can people learn about Collins Classic Automobiles and you? Well, uh, the website for my business is CollinsClassicAuto.com. I was dragged into the social media world, so if you go on Instagram, uh, my handle is pretty easy. It's Collins Classic Auto, and uh, you know, there's. Colin Comer Books is a, the website where we sell the books, uh, unless you buy on Amazon, which, which is perfectly fine as well. So um, I'm out there. Uh, search me out, and I'd love to hear from from anybody that's as sick about cars as I am. <laughs> well, that'll be everybody listening today. So there's a lot of folks there. I'll put all these links on Colin's Cars Yeah show notes page and the Cars Yeah website where you can find out about him. I encourage you to follow him. And of course, if you're out there having fun and run into Colin, say, hey, I heard you on Cars Yeah. And I want to do a shout out to my friends at Motorbooks, Zach, and of course, Steve Roth. They're the ones who bring me so many great people to this show. So thank you guys for another winner. Colin, thank you for writing an awesome book. It's uh, rounding out my quite now extensive automobile library. So I really appreciate that. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. This has been fun. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!